You're listening to the sermon series on the letter to the Philippians at Sojourn Church, J-Town. In this letter, the Apostle Paul calls believers to live on the earth now as citizens of heaven. This means that Christians should find their identity not in this world, but in the world to come, centered on Jesus Christ. My name is Lyle, in case this is the first time you're here uh, in person as well as online, just want to say welcome. Um, Yeah, I'm one of the pastors here, and yeah, as weird as it may be, we've actually had a lot of guests over these last several weeks, and that's why we're doing this little welcome lunch. Uh, The staff had wanted to call it Lunch with Lyle, and I kind of vetoed that, Um, but we're, we're, we're excited on what God's doing in our midst, even in the midst of a world pandemic and what he's bringing new faces here. So yeah, I encourage you to to sign up with that. I'll obviously be there. It's not just Lunch with Lyle. Other of our leaders will be there to be a part of that. So yeah, we're, if, you're, if you've been just joining us or you've been with us for a while, you know we've worked through the book of Philippians throughout the month of summer. Um, and we're coming to the end of it. We're here in, in chapter four. And I don't know, I, I don't know how you're um, coming in this morning. I don't know how your week was. Um, but if you're anything like me, maybe you're sort of like um, anxiety level is rising a little bit over the course of these last couple of weeks. Uh, Maybe uh, you felt that in March when this kind of early on hit, anxiety level went up pretty high. Like what in the world, what's going to go on? The grocery stores are running out of stuff, you know, and then everything kind of subsided a little bit. You know, it's like, all right, we're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. And and then all of a sudden, over the last couple of weeks, things have kind of spiked. A lot of us, if you got grade school children or children in school, like school is getting ready to kind of reopen and, and you're hearing all these options of what you should do or what you can do. And so, you know, like the anxiety level is kind of rising. Like, what should we do for our families? Should we do in person? Should we do online? You know, it's just kind of like, it's all swirling together. I don't know what your work situation is like. And, and maybe you've, you've got a, a, a boss or whatever, is maybe thinking about doing another round of where everybody just stays at home and just even thinking about that creates some weird stuff in you. I, I don't know about you, but I, I felt like when all this started in, um, in March, I, I felt like I, I knew someone that knew someone that knew someone who had COVID. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like six degrees separation. And now all of a sudden that I've got like one degree. Like I literally know someone right now who's in the hospital on a ventilator because of COVID and um, just experiencing the up and down of Hey, today's really good. Not today is not really good. So it's, it's like the, uh, sort of the, the world is closing in on us and it's not just way out there. It's, it's kind of, so to, so to speak, in our backyard. And I, I don't know. I don't know what that does in you, uh, but what it does in me is it, call it what you want to, right? You can call it, I'm not sleeping well, right? That's kind of like the Christian sanitized version. Well, I'm having trouble sleeping. Well, that's called anxiety, Amen? Can I just get an amen through the mask, right? Let's just call it what it is. It's anxiety. It's, it's worry. Like there's something going on inside of you and your physical body is reacting to it. And then we come to uh, a passage like we just read. I, and hopefully you're, you're sort of listening. Sometimes we have a tendency to tune out. You know, if you're a human being, you do you tune out, listen, you fade in and out. And, 
But hopefully you're listening, right? And, it's, and, it, and sometimes when we come to the end of a lot of Paul's letters, it just feels like this little laundry list that, uh, in the sense of like, I, I don't know where all these fit, but I'm just going to kind of ramble on what I'm thinking about, right? So there's a little disagreement that's going on in the community there at the church between these two ladies. And did you notice how I let Ashley read those names? Amen. And I didn't have to feel the stress of figuring out how to read those names. But like you need to kind of help them settle their disagreement. And then, oh, yeah, you know what? You need to make sure you're, uh, you know, your gentleness is known by everyone. You need to rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice and, and not just some of the time, but rejoice always. And, and hey, guess what? Also, don't, don't worry about anything. Don't, don't be anxious about anything. So I don't know when you, when you read that, how you, you felt, like what was going on in you. Here's, here's kind of my process as I thought about those, that list of stuff over the course of this week. So I just, the first one was, you know, kind of settle this disagreement that's going on with these uh, two leaders, I would argue, within the church. And so, so once again, it normalizes that we're going to have conflict, right? We're like, we're all human beings coming from diverse backgrounds and we're going to have diverse opinions and thoughts. And so this is normal church life to have a disagreement. So this is not a, a group of immature ladies that are arguing over the color of the carpet, Amen. There's like some kind of legitimate disagreement. So when he says settle that disagreement, I don't know what's going on in you, but it means like, okay, yeah, we've done this. You know, I've personally engaged in that and, and worked through some conflict and difficulty within the context of Christian community. So yeah, you know, not that this is easy by any shape of, of the imagination. Yes, we need the Spirit of God to help us, but it seems doable, right? You hear that and you go, okay, yeah, I, I've done this. I've seen this you know, in action, so to speak. But then you go to verse four and it says, rejoice in the Lord. Always. And just in case we think Paul may have had a, a brain fart, you know what I'm saying? Like a moment where like, ah, he misspoken, right? He said, no, I want to make sure you get it. I, I'll say it again, rejoice. And this is not coming from a guy that's sitting on the beach sipping a pina colada. This is a guy coming from writing this within the context of a prison chained to a Roman guard 24-7, right? And so you hear that and you're going, okay, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know if you know my situation. You know, I don't know if you know who I'm working with here, Paul. You're not, I don't know if you know my job. I don't, like you're saying, like, I hear you. And then he goes on, and, and, and I think sometimes we, we blow by this verse really quickly there in verse 5 where it says, let your graciousness be known to everyone. Did you see that? And so that word graciousness is a hard word for us to translate in English. Uh, some of us may have a translation where it says gentleness. It's just this idea where uh, there's this gracious forbearance with one another that they experience and feel your gentleness. And it's it's not just evident within the context of your nuclear family or within the context of people you kind of like, right? The context here is that, no, this needs to be felt and experienced with everyone, especially those where the normal response would be retaliation. Yeah, I remember the church in Philippi is kind of in the midst of a sort of a hostile culture toward Christianity. And so Paul is going... May your gentleness, your gracious disposition be experienced and felt by everyone. How's that going? <laughs> I 
I mean, seriously, like, how's that going right now? When if you just tune in every once in a while to what's going on in our news, immediately turning that off, where's your attention, right? I mean, is that helping cultivate gentleness toward everyone? And it's almost like, Paul, man, do you know what I'm going through? Do you understand my context? Really, that everyone should experience my gracious forbearance and disposition? And then he doesn't stop. I mean, I, I don't know. Rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice no matter what your circumstances are. Make sure everyone experiences your gentle, gracious disposition. And guess what? Let me give you one more. Don't be anxious about anything. I don't know. When I read a list like this, um, it's almost like I read it, but then I don't read it, right? Are you following me? It's almost like um, the frame of mind is more like when you watch a sitcom or any kind of like, you know, a show or a movie that's just purely for entertainment. Like you're not watching that to think, to reflect upon your life, to you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? There's some movies that make you think and you process things, but there's some movies and some shows you just watch for the pure entertainment of it, right? I watched Seinfeld not to gain intellect and know how to respond in, in a gracious way in our culture. I watched Seinfeld just to laugh, laugh. You know what I'm saying? Like, are you, are you, are you with me, All right? So, so you, you, you engage in that, but then you, you step away from that and going, okay, well, that's not real life. I'm back to normal real life here. You know, life doesn't happen like a sitcom. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you, you, you kind of transition out of frame of mind. I'm going to be here to kind of entertain myself, but then I'm back when that's done into real life. Sometimes you can read this text exactly like that. Are you following me? Like, nice list, Paul. I, I hear you. Man, it'd be, it would be great. I get settling disagreements. Man, I kind of got that a little bit. I mean, it'd be great if I could rejoice always. I mean, that's a great idea, but oh, come on, you don't know my situation. Gentleness, gracious dispositions toward everyone. Well, you don't know my spouse. <laughs> you don't know my mother-in-law or father-in-law. You don't know my boss. You don't know my coworker, right? And then don't be anxious about anything. And then there's these two promises that are embedded in these verses where it's in, in verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, would guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then at the very end of verse 9, it says this, and the God of peace will be with you. Like, we want that. I don't want just one of them. I want both of them. I want the peace of God, this inner disposition in my soul, and then I want the God of peace with me, right? And then I, I want this little laundry list here. And so the, the question that I'm wanting to answer and what I've been asking my own self this week is then, then, then how? If, if Paul is putting these things before us, then how? Like, I'm saying like, how can this be sort of a, a reality in my own life? Like, obviously, Paul believes that this can be true of you as a follower of Jesus Christ. He's not setting some kind of standard way out here and say, hey, good luck. 
I mean, this would be nice to have an experience in this life, but I'm just, I'm kind of throwing it way out there just to make you feel bad about where you are today. No, I, I think he's putting this before us because he's saying, hey, there's a way in which you can walk and live And this may not be your full experiential reality all the time, but you can be moving in that direction. So how? I think there's three things I want to highlight in this text that I I think Paul is inviting us into that can um, help these elements of rejoicing always, gentle disposition, um, you know, anxiety level low, experiencing the peace of God and knowing of the presence of God with you always. He's always with you, but I want to be more and more aware of his presence with me. He's a God who's omnipresent. So he's not gone anywhere. He's with us. But I want to be more and more aware of that. So, so how? I think there are three, and I want to walk through these quickly. And, I, and I, once again, I'm, I always preface this with, with this thought here. Um, this is not like... Um, you know, the magic faith pill. <laughs> you know, if I take these three things and swallow them, boom, you know what I'm saying? I'm never going to be anxious. I'm going to be rejoicing all the time. You know, everyone's going to feel my gentleness. I'm going to know God's presence. I'm going to feel this inner disposition. I think what I'm trying to lay before us is that there is a, there's a way in which we walk. There's a way in which we live. There's a, there's a you know, a path in which we, we, we walk down that, that leads us to these things as well as gives us an experience, maybe not in full, but in part in this life. All right, are you following me? So here are the three. In case you fall asleep, we pray, we think, and we practice. We pray, we think, and we practice. Look what he says here, starting in verse uh, 6. Don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious, some translators say, about anything. So before I go into the antidote, I just want to remind ourselves, number one, anxiety and worry is not a sin. I'll say it again. Anxiety and worry is not a sin. Anxiety and worry is an emotion that you experience, and it's not sinful to experience that emotion. Now, what we do with anxiety and worry can, can lead to sin. So I want to make sure you get that, because I think, thankfully, over the last several years, depression has lost this kind of like weird, you know, Man, if you're depressed and you're not a real Christian, I mean, there's something really wrong with you. Don't you know what Jesus has done for you? You should be celebrating that. I mean, what? No. Thank God we have moved beyond that and recognized depression is a real thing that we work through and deal with. It is not sinful. However, what I think is happening within our own culture and our own Christian sort of subculture, whatever you want to call it right now, I think anxiety still has this sort of shame to it that we're fearful to say that we're anxious because we feel like we're sinning and, and sort of we look like, you know, a lower level of Christian maturity if you're really anxious about something. And I want to say, no, no. The reason why the Bible says don't be anxious is because it's normalizing what we experience. 
I would make this point, and you can push back on me later, not right now, because we're, this is more of a monologue, not a dialogue, amen. I would push back on it. If you're not experiencing any level of anxiety, I don't know if you're an emotionally healthy person right now. You should be feeling some anxiety right now. You should. I mean, that's a normal person that's sort of in touch with their emotional world. So anxiety is not a sin. Some psychologists talk about it like this. Anxiety is often the canary in the coal mine, our soul's way of telling us something is deeply wrong and we need to fix it and fix it fast. And so I don't know about you, I had to go find out what in the world is the canary in the coal mine? Like, what is that? Anybody know what I'm, you know, okay. Maybe some of you read this going, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, in case you don't know, just like I did, the canary is like a little bitty bird they put in a cage that came down with the, coal, the miners. And if, you know, if the canary died, Pretty quickly, it means there's some toxic gas in there and you need to get your butthole out, right? It's saying like, you need to get out of there really, really fast. Well, the same way, it's almost like, as weird as this may sound, anxiety is a gift from the Lord to kind of give you a, a barometer that something's going on in us that you need to be aware of, that you need to take note about. And so Paul's not trying to condemn us when we're anxious He's trying to show us again, and we all know this, but we need to be reminded of this, of where do we go when we start feeling anxiety and worry? Look what he says here. Don't worry about anything. Verse six, but what? In everything. Say it out loud. In, what do we do? Through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, we present our request to God. So the antidote to our worry is not to try to gain control. If I can just control the situation, then my anxiety will go away. The answer to anxiety and worry is not dismissing it or pretending like it's not there or trying to rationalize it, but that we pray about everything. I spoke on this verse a couple years ago. And just try to summarize it as best I can. It's like, just pray what you got. That's what Paul is inviting you to. And right now, a lot of us are rolling in here with a ton of anxiety. And God the Father is saying, just bring that to me. I love how Eugene Peterson, I think it's Psalm 57, 50, it's in the 50s. <laughs> I read it this week. But at the very end of that, it talks about casting our cares on the Lord and he translates, translates like this, pile up on the shoulders of Jesus all your cares. And what a beautiful image. Pile up. He can handle it. Amen. On the shoulders of Jesus, all your cares. And look what the promise is. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, this experience of peace when you're not expecting it, it's all beyond all kind of comprehension, human, humanly speaking, will guard, it will protect your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. So hear, hear what Paul's saying. It, it's not that we're earning the peace of God, right? But he is trying to help us make a connection here that when we pray, the promise is that the peace of God, 
this inner disposition is how I would call this, this inner disposition that it's going to be okay. Like sometimes I just need to know that, that it's going, you're going to be okay. You have a father that's going to protect, guard, and guide you. Doesn't mean he's going to keep you from all physical harm, but ultimately what it means, he will guide, protect, and watch over you. Ultimately, he's not just talking about the 50, 60, 70, 80 years of this physical life. He's talking about all eternity here. But I need to have that inner disposition that it's going to be okay. But if I do not pray, this is what Paul is saying. If I do not pray, then I will not experience this peace of God. The best way I can kind of illustrate this, and I'm sorry sometimes with all the family illustrations, but it's just what I kind of go to and I'll work harder on getting non-family illustrations, amen? But, but it's like when a child is afraid and, and fearful. I mean, legitimate fears that they feel in the dark or whatever it is. Their instinctive response is to do what? Say it out loud. They call out to a parent. You know, you hear in the middle of the night, mom, or you hear in the middle of the night, dad. And so if they don't, and what happens is mom and dad, whoever gets up, goes upstairs, and what do you do? You don't scold your kid. You hold them. You, you, you tell them. You whisper, hey, it's all right. It's going to be okay. Everything's fine. Man, I'm here. I've got you. And the only way that the kid experiences this calmness and this okayness from the parent is when the kid does what? cries out. It's not that God the Father doesn't know, but there's something that God has put into our human psyche that when we voice our fears to God the Father, he can then bring about his peace in us, this inner disposition. You're gonna be okay. He's got this. He's holding you. He's keeping you. He's watching over you. When you feel anxiety, worry, pray, pray. I love what one commentator says about it. He says this, prayer is accompanied by his peace. Why? Because God's peace totally transcends our merely human way of perceiving the world. Peace comes because prayer is an expression of trust and God's people do not need to have it all figured out in order to trust him. Amen? But Lyle, what do I do if nothing really changes? I pray and I'm still really anxious. I don't have simple answers to that complex question, but here's... What sometimes we do, we do one of two responses. We'll do one would be like, God's not real. He's not there. Or if he is real and he exists, then he's not really active and I'm just kind of done with it. That's one response. Another response that we have a tendency to do, then there must be something wrong with me. I don't have enough faith. Both are very unhealthy responses. Here's a concise way that I would try to answer that, right? And we can have further dialogue. Sometimes it takes more than just prayer to deal with your anxiety, meaning, just example, if you're only getting two hours of sleep at night, prayer alone is not going to help you deal with your anxiety. You need to get your body to rest. Are you following me? And sometimes we need to see a doctor. Sometimes we need to go see a, a good Christian therapist and counselor to kind of help us 
understand and work through some stuff. But here's what I would say to you, that the, that the foundation or what covers all of this, right, is prayer. It is. This is where we start. This is where we continue. This is what we do. So first, we pray. And maybe right now, you might need to just kind of tune out and just spend some time praying your worries and anxieties. It's okay. Maybe you just need to stop and just bow your head and say, man, God, this is what I got going on. Second one, and I'll be quick through these. Uh, we think, not, not think on anything, but we think on specific things. Look what Paul says here in verse eight. Finally, brothers and sisters, look at the list here. It's eight of them. Whatever's true, whatever's honorable. If you've got your own Bible, I encourage you to underline these. Whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any moral excellence and if there's anything praiseworthy, here's what you're to do. You're to dwell. You're to think on. You're to reckon. You're to take into account all of these things. So, so follow Paul here. Don't, don't, don't get stressed on trying to find out exactly what he means by all these eight individual things. Now, what does he mean by true? What does he mean by honorable? What does he mean by pure, lovely? Don't, don't no. Paul's thinking more generally and broadly. Think on things that are true. Think on things that are beautiful. Think on things that are, that are, that are good. And so, so wherever you find that, that's the other emphasis here. You know, it's rep rep repetitiveness of whatever, 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 whatever. What Paul is trying to help us see here is like, wherever you find this, think on it, dwell on it, reckon this, put your mind to this, pay attention to this. So it doesn't, it doesn't mean that I need to make sure I always have a verse in my head 24-7. It doesn't mean that I need to have, you know, worship music on 24-7 for me to really do what Paul is saying here. Now, please hear me. Like, I think those are great, and there's a part in it, and I think there's good that we meditate on the Word of God because that's what's ultimately true and beautiful and good. I think it's fine for us to listen to worship music 24 I mean, I, I do. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. However, I think what Paul is trying to help us do with this little word, whatever, is to give us permission to enlarge our scope of what we place our attention to and where we find things that are pure and good and holy. And so guess what? Go take a walk. Get out. I mean, that is beautiful. And dwelling on that does something in our own soul. Listen to good music. It doesn't necessarily have to be Christian. You can listen to good. People that are not Christians make really good music, right? People that are not Christians make really thought-provoking and movies that enlarge your soul. Like there are ways that you're able to make connections out of followers of Jesus Christ and no one else can. And so just, just hear the invitation of Paul going like, wherever you find it, go, dwell, think, Put, to, you know, put your mind to these things because it does something in us. Uh, one writer says the mind is the portal to the soul. You following that? The mind is the porter, portal, porter, <laughs> portal, right, to the soul. Translation is basically this. What we think on is going directly into our own soul and our spirits, and it's having impact and effect on us. We are so 
um, so intertwined, body and soul, body and spirit. And I think sometimes we're really uh, naive, right, to how much this affects our very inner being, what I'm paying attention to. And I'll you know, the easiest illustration I can give to you, doing student ministry for 20 plus years, and I, please just hear me, all right? I know there's a lot, a lot of little exceptions, but what about, what? just hear me. So I would kind of push people on some of the music that they chose to listen to, and this is the, always the pushback I would hear from them. Wow, I'm just listening to the beat, right? I'm not really listening to the words. Well, that's a 15-year-old's understanding of body and soul. That somehow, somehow I can sever my ears <laughs> from my soul. That I think I can just listen to the beat and think those words are doing nothing to me. Well, we're a little older than that in this room. We've got a few teenagers in here. Hopefully we've matured enough to realize, wow, man. What I expose my body to, my ears, my eyes, <laughs> it's doing something in me. It's doing something in me. Now, please hear me. This is not about making lists. This is where we've got it all wrong, right? This is where we misinterpret this. Well, here's the list. This is what you can watch. This is what you can listen to. This is what you can pay attention. No, goodness gracious, man, the Spirit of God dwells in all of us. And Paul is saying, look, I'm just inviting you to pay attention to what you're paying attention to because what you're setting your mind on is affecting your soul. So if you find yourself angry, anxious, disturbed, unsettled, freaking out, I don't know, put into whatever you want to, on your interior world, Paul would go, look, what are you thinking about? What are you listening to? What are you watching? Like, what are you setting your affections to, your attention to? Because it is doing something in you. This is not about legalism. This is not about, wow, you know. No, this is about being a healthy human being who wants the peace of God, this inner disposition who wants to be more and more aware of the very presence of God who's always with you. He doesn't leave. We just sang that song in Psalm 139. He's always with you. But man, if you're anything like me, I don't see it. I don't feel it. I don't experience like I want to. And Paul's not coming to us trying to condemn us. No, he's just saying, look, step back. Think, what are you putting in here? Think on things that are true and good and beautiful. And Paul's going, look, when you start doing that, it'll do, the, it'll do something here. It really will. So we pray, we think, and then the last one is we practice and then I'm done. Give me like two minutes here. Look what he says in verse 9. It's interesting. It says, Do what you have learned and received and heard from me, seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. The NIV translates it like this. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, look what he says, put into practice. 
And the God of peace will be with you. So, so Lyle, I, I do want to rejoice in all circumstances. I do. I, I want to. I want my family and anyone that interacts with me to, to experience my gentleness. That when they experience me, they actually do experience a taste of who Jesus would be if he was like right there in their physical body, right? I want that. I want that for you, and I think you do too. I don't want to be ridden with anxiety. I don't want to be, I don't love getting up at four o'clock in the morning and my mind start racing, amen? <laughs> Does anybody want that? I don't. Okay, then I pray. I pay attention to what I'm paying attention to, and I'm intentional about what I'm putting in my mind. And then I get up on Tuesday. Guess what I do? I pray. And I pay attention to what I'm paying attention to and what I'm putting in my mind. And then guess what I do on Wednesday? I get up. I pray, right? Like, I know it sounds really trite and elementary, but that's what Paul is saying here. Like, this is not a one-time deal. It's not like, hey, you make a decision here and everything's going to be hunky-dory tomorrow. No, no, you get up tomorrow. All right, here are my anxieties, and you pray them. Throughout your day, you're saying, all right, what, what am I paying attention to? What, what can I be intensely dwelling on and thinking on? And then at the end of the day, maybe you book in your day and you pray again. Well, guess what? You get up on Tuesday, and guess what? You probably still have the same anxieties you had on Monday. Right? I mean, gosh, can we not just own that? Really? Yeah, that's what happens. That's life in this world in a fallen body. And what do you do? It doesn't mean it didn't work yesterday. No, no, this is, this is what it means to walk with God. You get up. You pray. You think. What am I paying attention to? Pray. Get up on Wednesday. Same thing. The list, I want them for you and I want them for my own life. And Paul said, hey, man, the gospel, the work of Jesus has empowered you and provided a way for you to walk in this way. Pray about everything. Dwell on what is good and beautiful and pure and do this tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and see what the Spirit of God will do in you. Let's pray. Hey, I'm Lyle Drury and the lead pastor at Sojourn Church, J-Town. Thanks for listening. We are here to reach people with the gospel, build them up as a church, and send them into the world to be a faithful, loving presence. For more sermons, info about our church, or ways you can support our ministry, visit sojournchurch.com slash J-Town.